Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox Starks. All right, guys, how's it hanging today? <laughs> um, well, here it was just a dull gray day. Sometimes the clouds were distinguishable, sometimes little bits of blue sky peeped through. An otherwise very dark, very gray sky. But the greater majority of today was just one of those skies that were just plain white. No clouds, no blue, but just that thick, heavy cloud cover. Not even mystical or anything, just boring. You guys know what I mean? That boring white sky. (laughs) It's so irritating. But... Well, that was how my day was most of the day. So I was just kind of bored. I did some laundry. I watched the OA, which, by the way, Britt Marling, first of all, an amazing writer, executive producer. She's working with Brad Pitt on this project on Netflix. If you do not know about the OA, I highly recommend this show. Um, Britt Marling is the OA. She is, she's also an actor. So she's doing an amazing job. I really, I'm really getting into this. It's like every single show I'm like shouting at the TV. No, no way. (laughs) But it's all about, it's all, it's a fictional story based on all of the Ascension stuff all of the spiritual stuff, all of the telepathy, the interdimensionalness, the multidimensional bodies that we have, the um, time travel, timeline hopping. I mean, everything I've talked about on my show is covered by this show and by the, the OA. Everything I've talked about on my podcast practically has already been brought up. And this is just the second season. <laughs> I'm just like, Britt Marling. <laughs> She's like super amazing. Okay. The Schumann Resonance News for uh, today is just pretty boring as well. <laughs> we had 20 hertz happen, you know, several peaks up to 20 hertz and then back down again. And then a little bit later in the day, we had two 25 hertz peaks. And pretty much that's it. Pretty much that's all that happened. Uh, before I get too far into this, I wanted to tell you that I'm sorry that my show was like 
90 minutes late yesterday, I had forgotten all about the time change, the time difference in California. I'm trying to get this done every single day by midnight California time. And I keep thinking that's three in the morning here. I'm even recording this right now at 1.16 a.m. So I might not get it done by 2 a.m., <laughs> which is my new, my new time deadline. So I don't know. I'm trying my best. Um, I was actually trying to get it done at 7 o'clock at night yesterday, actually. I was starting it on time, but my app doesn't really work very well when my internet is out. And all day long, it was such heavy rains, thunderstorms, lightning, that I just, it's like I had no internet for hours. It was like on and then off and then on and then off. And I couldn't even watch anything. And like YouTube, I couldn't do any research. It was like, I'd be like 10 seconds into it and then would just stop and be like loading for 30 minutes. And then it'd go on for one minute and then loading for another 10 minutes to 20 minutes. It was ridiculous. So, you know, I, I really should have got it done in the afternoon, but I, I didn't. And then I was just stuck by technology. <laughs> there is one person who um, listens to the show within 30 minutes of me putting it out there every single day. And because I was so late, this person didn't even listen to it till the morning. I'm so sorry for whoever you are. I know that you're such a loyal listener and I love having you as my listener. And I'm so, I feel really guilty about this actually, because I'm trying every day to get this out seven days a week. I'm here doing this show and it's like, ah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I wanted to say that even though today's, well, tonight's show is going to be put out hopefully on time on the 3rd of April, um, the 5th of April, so in two days, the day after tomorrow, we're going to have a new moon and the new moon is going to be in Aries and that's going to be incredible energy. Everything that you've been meaning to do that you've been maybe putting off, you're going to have the headspace to do it. And with a vengeance, with a passion and ambition that you probably haven't felt in a while. It's going to be really profound, but the signs that it's going to be the most profound for are going to be Aries, Cancer, Libra and Scorpio. It's going to hit them in different ways. And I'm not going to go into all that. But if you go to bustle.com, they have an article called uh, Four Zodiac Signs the April 2019 New Moon Will Affect the Most. So you could just look that up. And it's pretty, pretty interesting, actually. Now, the least affected will be Aquarius, Gemini, uh, Sagittarius, and Leo. Now for the rest of us, this new moon basically means that we are with a vengeance going to just change our core beliefs. Now I don't understand how this is going to do it, but it's going to push us to feel 
differently about the stuff we held the most dear to the core of who we are. That's intense, guys, because your core beliefs are like if you were raised Catholic. Okay, I'll give you an example. If you're raised Catholic like I was, I told the church off when I was eight years old, but from the time of me being a baby to eight years, everything was about the Catholic church. It was like everything. I mean, on the weekends, I spent time with my aunt who was a nun. She was a Carmelite nun. They were allowed to get married and have kids. So, you know, so she was very involved with the family. She did not live in a convent. She lived at home. But her faith was so unshakable that my Aunt Titi never had one sniffle, never had the flu or cold her entire life. She dedicated every waking second, even her sleeping seconds probably, except when she was drinking and gambling. But we're not going to talk about that. (laughs) She liked to have her fun too, but everything was about Jesus and it was about the church it was about you know being a nun and so I grew up in this environment serious heavy duty Catholic environment which is hilarious because in my moments alone I was like I'm a shaman I was communing with nature I was literally telepathing with the animals um, mostly crows and with the um, deceased spirits of Native Americans <laughs> were like coming and teaching me and training me and talking to me about stuff and telling me how things really were for them. You know, so obviously I didn't trust Catholic Church as far as I could throw them. <laughs> or maybe I should say I didn't trust Catholic Church as far as I could throw a crucifix. <laughs> but... So it was like this dichotomy in in me. (laughs) Maybe that's what made me a rebel. I don't know. But um, basically, my core beliefs include Catholicism. And I left when I was eight. But when that Northridge earthquake hit in 1994... You best believe I was just like, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. And I could not stop saying that prayer over and over again in a complete panic just like that. <laughs> and I was like, damn it. How come in like the worst crisis of my life when I thought my house was going to, well, a lot of my house did collapse, but... I thought for sure the fireplace was going to collapse on us. <laughs> we, I ended up sleeping in my backyard for two weeks. <laughs> and then I ended up being homeless. We just all moved out. We were so scared. And I just was like, I became Catholic at the core of my being. I am saying my, my Hail Marys. So here comes this new moon in Aries now. And this is going to literally push us. <laughs> to change our core beliefs even if we feel resistant to that we're going to have the energy of perseverance and pushing forward and that passion and ambition to be the best possible version of ourselves which for me that means your higher self you're becoming the highest you you can be and that means reaching for the highest timeline by the way you're going to be hopping to the highest timeline that will be the best for you, the best for your spiritual growth, the best for you to go into the fifth dimension, 
the best possible timeline for your ascension. So we're going to have a lot of new beginnings, lots of goodbyes. In fact, I was just told, and this is kind of crazy, but I was just told before I, I jumped on here that I need to do some clearing work throughout my Facebook. And anyone who has not been emotionally supportive of me, people that have talked about me behind my back. So now I've got to start looking into psychically all the people on my list. If they've ever said an ill word about me behind my back, I'm supposed to use kinesiology and dowsing to find that out because I want to purify my life. And I'm getting this huge push from the universe and the cosmos. Like I'm getting this energy of it's time to clear everybody the F out. That's not serving uh, their highest purpose and they're not serving you as a, a real relationship. I know for a fact that all of my friends from Colombia definitely staying on the list. Lifetime friends, like people I will love the rest of my life. You know, um, people, a couple people from Peru that I met definitely staying on the list. But I mean, there's some people that added me for weird reasons. Like they're trying to date me or trying to ask me for money. And most of those people I've weeded out. I mean, I've like deleted like a hundred people in the past few years um, that came under false pretenses into my life. And, you know, just even today, someone from the Gambia wrote me out of the blue and says he's needing me to give him a hundred dollars. And I'm like, dude, I, I, you know, if I have a hundred dollars, it's going to my oldest son who's homeless. So sorry, that's kind of, I, I have other priorities. <laughs> you know, you're talking to a single widowed mom with hardly any money. It's like, just because I have a show. And I don't even think he even knew that I had a show. He just was like, oh, gee, you're you're American. You must be rich. Ugh, thanks for the stereotype, buddy. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. And I told him I'd pray for him. But, I mean, these are the kinds of things I'm talking about. So if you have people in your life that are pushing you in really weird ways, like I had a guy who like hounded me for like two years to make a GoFundMe for him and his two sisters. And they're all crippled in wheelchairs in Morocco. And so, and he said that the government won't help them. So I started this enormous petition and I circulated it around the world to help them so that I could get enough signatures to hand in to the King of Morocco. And then I, um, started this GoFundMe page and I wrote and it took me like freaking three weeks to write this beautiful page. I made it all perfect. I went online with it to start getting donations and I got like 20 or $40 or something in donations. And I sent that to him right away and he was pissed off that $4 were taken out by the GoFundMe site. And then he said, I need you to take the whole thing down. And it's like, dude, you just been freaking wasting my life. Like for two years or whatever, he just wasted my life. And I was just like, you're wasting my time. Like I, I ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> feel good on uh, the feel good is the name of his channel. Um, not feel good, but P H I L that's his name. Feel good. Just G O O D. He 
said that in meditation, he was told to be a dot. Don't be a straight line. Don't be entangled with other people. Just be a freaking dot. Because if you're a dot, people will come to you that need to be with you. You become magnetic that way. And it made me realize I need to stop chasing after what I'm looking for. I need to become the magnetic center by which I'm attracting the things I need to attract to myself. And so I wanted to pass that idea along to you because that's like freaking amazing, right? Like don't be, <laughs> don't be a string, be a freaking dot. You know, like I've been telling people on um, various websites, you know, Hey, go listen to my podcast. Hey, you know, trying to put the word out there and people will like, like it or they'll put a heart next to it or they'll go, thanks. I'll check it out. But then they never, ever get back to me again. And I feel like they're just paying lip service or looking like, you know, they're liking and hearting everyone who has any kind of thing to say because they want more subscribers and they're not at all like, genuine in wanting to know me even if they send a good comment so I'm like starting to feel the disingenuousness (laughs) in throughout the lightworker community and I'm like starting to notice that there's like a couple people like metaphysical Mike for example he is absolutely 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt real and genuine I know he is I feel it and he has already reached out to me back and he's already written to me back And I think he already favorited my podcast, actually, Um, like right away. (laughs) I found him, favorited him, he favorited me back. So I'm probably going to try to get him on on here. Um, He's a real genuine person, and he's really trying to make a difference in the world, and I feel that. So, but some of the other people are like, you know, oh, yeah, love you too, you know, but then, you know, like, it's just BS. There's a couple people that I feel are are real though. So we'll see. I mean, I just feel like this is the month where people are going to be saying goodbyes or in my case, just being freaking deleted out of my life. (laughs) Uh, But that's okay because you know what? Bad things fall apart. So the good things can fall together. Marilyn Monroe. (laughs) She did say that, didn't she? So, or something like that. I'm paraphrasing her, of course. So, it's going to be slightly different for every single person, um, depending on your zodiac and your identical, I mean, your individual chart, not identical, individual chart. So, uh, basically, it's a new moon. (laughs) And, let's see, I'm looking to see if there's anything other good. Anything other goodies I can, I could pull out of this article I'm looking at, um, on bustle, by the way, um, it's, it's a lot of, it's a fire sign. So it's a bold, confident energy. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like it's going to be huge. A lot of outgoing energy, a lot of courage, impulsiveness, Watch your head. <laughs> Any kind of moon in Aries, new or full, it always can possibly result in head injuries. <laughs> my my uh, ex was an Aries born on April Fool's Day, and I swear to God, every time we had a full moon in Aries, his head would end up bleeding. <laughs> he would scratch his head. He would get a mosquito bite. He would hit it on a cabinet. 
I mean, every freaking time the moon was in Aries, whether it's a new moon or a full moon, some crap would happen to his head. It was hilarious. I mean, to me, secretly, I'd like laugh about it later. <laughs> Are you kidding me right now, universe? <laughs> so if you're normally afraid to go out on a limb, <laughs> well, Friday is the day to fix that. If you, your, your fear will be gone. You'll just feel so motivated and you'll just want to change so much that it's going to push you in a way that you're not normally used to being pushed. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. All right. So I had some things I was going to talk about, but just really quickly, there were, um, in, uh, Sacramento, there were booms, mysterious booms. They've been going on for months in this in Northern California and in Southern Arizona. Same thing, same exact thing. No one knows where these booms are coming from. They've been now happening all over the globe, but a lot in the United States and nobody knows what the heck is happening. So that's interesting, right? And on March 28th, Israeli scientists had finished mapping and reporting that they now have the longest salt cave on the planet. And it's under Mount Sodom. <laughs> so it's related to Sodom and Gomorrah. We all know what sodomy is because there's sodomy laws. And if you don't know, I'm not going to be the one to explain it to you. <laughs> But basically, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah is mentioned in the Torah and in the Bible and also, again, in the Quran. And Sodom and Gomorrah is basically, it was an ancient city. And in this ancient city, people had become very, very, very wicked and everyone was sleeping with everybody and it became very, very, well, messy. And people were drinking and just carrying on in all kinds of bacchanalian ways <laughs> and it wasn't just for a festival though it was just like every freaking day constantly and there was only one family in the whole town that were good and it was lot and his wife and their two lovely daughters and an angel of the lord came knocked on the door and they were afraid to let them in they're like oh we don't let anyone in in this town were scared like they were like the only good people in the super bad neighborhood basically and the angels came and said no you're going to come with us we're angels of the lord we're going to protect you and what we're going to do uh we're not gonna you cannot see so no matter what you hear what you see you know, like you see flashes of light whatever do not turn back we are warning you do not turn back so Lot and his wife and his daughters were ushered to the edge of the city. The angel said, we now have to destroy this whole city because God had sent us here to find 10 good people. And we only found the four of you. We could not find six other people that were good. So you guys go get away from this place. We're turning it in to like salt. So... As they were running away, a big flash of light and like a trumpet sounded and Lot's wife got curious and she turned back and turned into a pillar of salt immediately. And then Lot and his two daughters kept running and they couldn't look back at her. They just had to leave her behind. She's just now salt. And then now they're 
living in a cave thinking they're the only people on the whole fucking planet. (laughs) So, yeah, that's just... Then there's some other weird, creepy crap that happens later. I just don't even want to get into. But (laughs) let's just say... Okay, yeah, no, let's not say any of it. Some things are better left unsaid. (laughs) Okay, and on that note, I am going to come right back after this message. And when I come back, tonight's topic is really strange, but also very ancient. We will be discussing the deities of the Mami Wata from Africa. So I'll be right back. Okay, so the Mama Wata or the Mami Watas are basically ancient, primordial African deities. They're like a system or a group of African deities that the name Mama Wata. Uh, Wata comes from ancient Egypt and it comes from the word Owata, which means the ocean water. And Mama is mother. So in some cultures, the name Wata comes from, I want to say from the Sudan and Nigeria the ancient languages Wata also means woman so woman mother or mother woman and the Mama Wata is a group of female deities that have been loved worshipped, revered prayed to and they have been guardian spirits for thousands and thousands and thousands of years dating back to the origins of Africa. We all come from Africa. We have, there's a single mother. This is as the scientists say now, not just Eve from the Bible, because I don't know. Remember that story, how Adam had a wife named Lilith and Lilith didn't want to obey his every word. And so she was cast out of the garden and in every subsequent book written on her became evil. And then Adam married, well, didn't marry Eve. Eve was a part of his own rib. Talk about narcissist. But anyway, anyway, they had two kids and one killed the other one. And then they went over a mountain, found a whole bunch of people already living there. So how could they be the first man and woman? It's like a big fat lie. (laughs) I think they might be the first man and woman that were genetically experimented on by aliens, but probably we'll keep that one for another night. (laughs) But I digress. So anyway, so before the Bible ever happened, before the Torah ever happened, actually, before any of that history got, you know, written down or even happened, Mama Wata was there and she was loved and it was 
during the matriarchal societies of very early origin Africa. So basically they are shown as women and they can appear uh, a mama watadeti can appear as a woman with long black hair and her skin might be white it might be mulatto might be black might be any color at all she can appear in any shape or any form she wishes in order to make the person more comfortable with her presence and a lot of times she will show up as a mermaid and a lot of times she'll show up as just a woman sometimes the mama wata have shown up as half men half fish like mermen or half woman half fish sometimes just reptilian half reptilian and half human and i don't mean like reptilian aliens i don't mean like that at all i mean more like crocodiles and when i first read about this years ago in 2005 i read a page it doesn't even exist on the internet i can't find it i've looked for hours now but what i remember is it said she is a protector the protect protectress of crocodiles and snakes and dolphins and every living creature in the sea and her jurisdiction basically where she is where they all are because there's many deities in one name under the umbrella of mama wata or mommy wata and she has been basically residing over the entire Caribbean Ocean or Caribbean Sea and the Atlantic Ocean and she got her origins first in Africa but as slaves were brought to the Americas and the Caribbean she took her root in the um, religious part the religion um, in the worshiping of the Mama Watas throughout the United States especially along the coast and in the Caribbean nations as well. So Mami Wata deities are powerful to say the least. I have a story I'm going to relate to you in a little bit about this. I think that these watcher, they're watcher deities and they're um not a part of uh the typical like yamoha or ocean or orishas they're not part of the yoruba pantheon they are their own pantheon of goddesses and gods sometimes they appear as men so they are identified as their color is red and white their um white is for purity and all manner of psychic divination so if you're psychic in any way shape or form you are under the guidance 
of a mommy wata, whether you know it or not. <laughs> the red stands for the lustfulness, the seductress, the sexiness that we can all embody at any given moment, right? But the thing is with mommy wata, and this is really scary. I read that if she calls you her child and calls you to her and you ignore it, you'll lose your sexual desire. Your ability to have sex will be gone. If you continuously ignore it, you can become infertile and your relationships will fall apart and you continue to ignore her and she keeps calling you to her. And if you do not acknowledge this call, according to the legends, she will destroy your life until you are forced to go to um, Mamasi or Mamisi. That's like a priestess in the Mama Wata tradition. This could be a part of Voodooan or Voodoo or Hoodoo or outside of that. But if you don't go to a mommy seat to figure out what's happening to you, you could be living in financial ruin, all your relationships broken and your money gone. And the only way that you could have all of it restored is to acknowledge that you are under the guidance and you belong, belong to a mommy wata and you are her child. That's all you have to do is acknowledge it. So let's see here. Let me tell you. Um, these are like nymphs or mermaids, mermens worshipped as goddesses and gods born from the sea and this is numerous I mean throughout all of ancient African cultures history and spiritual mythology but a lot of people believe that this is not myth this is real now they are the bringers of the divine law to the people and they are responsible for a lot of things happening bad and good to people depending on how uh, the people respond and react and interact and whether they embrace and love these deities or if they do not. For example, in Nigeria, a lot of people die every year because of um, being swept in the undertow of the sea while swimming and that's because they didn't respect the goddesses and they did not ask to enter the water. They, and these are people that should know better, right? Because they're from this culture. <laughs> like if we flew over there and we got caught in the undertow, we're not going to know better. If we didn't not hear this episode of metaphysical soul speak. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, this is some serious stuff. Especially if you're called to it and you can be called to this if you're not African-American or if you're not African or if you're not Caribbean, you don't have to be from Africa in genetic origins to be called by the Mami Wata. Oh, no, 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 no. She recognizes you by your soul. They recognize you by who you are, who you have been in past lives. And they call you to them and they give you from their heart 
gifts of divination. So if you have psychic ability, you are a mommy watas, right? So very little has changed in the mommy sees and the mommy wata followers, the queens or the priestesses that um, are part of the motherhood temples have always pretty much done the same. They will cover their bodies in white powder, like talcum powder, you know, baby powder, and they will wear white to honor the goddess of the sea. Now, there are temples that have been built all over, including in Egypt and including the fact that Cleopatra actually built a Mamisi shrine in Upper Egypt. When she was giving birth to her first son, she made sure there was a shrine to the Mamiwata because this is the original mother goddesses that were on the planet that were recognized. She had inscribed in her shrine the traditional priestly attributes and it included in depicting herself giving birth to Julius Caesar's son and being assisted by seven divine African ancestors, which included Isis and Osiris. But she wasn't really ancestrally connected to the divine spirits, and she thought she could fake it. And I'm reading from this, the seven worlds dot world wordpress.com okay it says that she tried desperately to fake her connection to these divine spirits without success and pretending that she is a part of it and because she did that she was disrespecting these spirits and she wanted to obtain the sacred prophetic poems of the eastern masses that was made by the Sibylline prophetesses, which is of Mamiwata. And she ordered the African subjects to address her as the new Isis. And you know what? It was her hubris and her lying that got her bit fatally by a sacred asp, which is a snake. While she was bathing in her milk bath, an asp bit her. Well, Mami Wata is in charge of all the snakes on the planet. In fact, in the very early and early African art of the Mama Watas, you will find that they will have a snake wrapped around their waist and it will come up, the head will come up between their breasts. So <laughs> takes me back to my jungle story that I told you a couple times already now where I was laying in the jungle in Peru, you know, the Amazon jungle, the Amazon waters are connected to the Atlantic ocean. There is a connection there. Anyway, so now that I'm remembering and realizing this, I know that I am from this, even though I do not have a genetic ancestry link, I have a spiritual link to them. <laughs> So that's why I honored the snake spirit. I went all the way to the jungle to face the spirit I was so afraid to see because I knew I had to. 
but the snake came up and when I said it came up and went over my face, it like came up through between my breasts. I didn't want to mention that, but now I'm reading this on this page. I'm like, Oh yeah, maybe I should mention that. That's how I felt that energy. And you know, what's ironic is when people, you know, are worshiping or praying to, or, or, uh, asking petitioning for favors, they will wear white and then they will have a cloth snake that they made into like a belt and they wrap it around their waist. Where else have you seen that? Do you, do you remember guys where else that is? If you go back to the Rider Waite tarot deck, you're going to look at the magician card and see that his belt around his waist is a green snake wrapped around his waist and it's biting its own tail as its own clasp to keep it together. That's also known as the um, Ouroboros. And the Ouroboros is a snake eating its own tail. It's also related to Egypt. It's the sun disk. And it is the symbol of eternity and everlasting life. I've seen the Ouroboros as... In the Celtic tradition, it will be a fox eating its own tail or a dragon eating its own tail as well. And that means the same exact thing. It's just a different form. So let me see here. Okay, so Mami Wata is ancient. And if you follow the path of the mystic, a prophet, a prophetess, a sage or an avatar or a Yaya Tunde of Africa, then you are literally a child of the Mamiwata spirits. And it does transcend all race, class, or gender. Mommy will call uh, who needs the powerful force in their lives. Mommy will call those people to them. Okay. Um, like I said, again, this is a plural word. Yeah, let's see here. Um, and we're all related to this because we all descend again. I already said this, but we all descend from the African mother, the African continent. So somewhere in our familial line, someone did know something about this and some people don't have any calling at all to her but other people have a very strong calling by the mommy wata now she is uh or they are known as guardian deities and they especially guard the spiritual gifts of clairvoyance and divination but even um if you're, you like to give speeches, you're an orator or a poet. If you um, are any kind of a healer, then it's very, very possible and quite probable that the Mami Wata are taking care of you. Now, a lot of times a calling, if Mami Wata is calling you to her, Besides all the things I mentioned before, you also can experience a mild depression or as bad as a spiritual psychosis. 
a lot of people, especially in the African-American community, and especially men, have um, turned to drugs and alcohol to try to self-medicate against the depression. And a lot of times they don't understand that they're being called by mommy Wata. It's in their genes. It's in their their blood. It's almost like they're hereditary magicians. They have that magic, but they don't know because they've been cut off because of all of the slavery and all that that happened. A lot of the culture, her, cultural and spiritual heritage was lost, but mommy Wata still calls, still calls the people that are meant to be hers. And so there's a lot of people that are very spiritual, but they end up being schizophrenic or psychotic or they have a psychotic break. And I'm, when I lived in Detroit, I met a couple of people like that. And I didn't know this. I just, today doing my research, I discovered this. I'm like, oh man, I know two people I could have told this to. If they would have turned to the spirituality side of things, they would heal their mind. So, Mami Wata is basically guardians of anyone with any form of divination. And there's a huge list. I'm going to read it to you. Anyone who has any connection to tarot, numerology, talking with the deceased spirits, also known as necromancy, and also necromancy magic can be like trying to raise the dead as well, but mostly talking with the dead, you know, just being a psychic medium like I am. Astrology. Now this is fun. Botanmancy, which is reading certain herbs. Cartomancy, which is reading cards that are playing cards. Catoptomancy. I can't even say that. In in uh, Irish tradition, we call that scrying or mirror gazing. Chiromancy, which is or chiromancy, which is palmistry, reading the palms or hand reading. If you are hearing voices or noises like clairaudient, you're clairvoyant or crystallomancy. If you look into a crystal ball, or and you gaze into the crystal ball and you could see. Um, images or words or people's faces um working with pendulums or divination by spirit possession Euromancy. oh see i would have thought that would mean that you're reading a people's sandwiches from greece okay never mind sorry 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 mama wata <laughs> my hey yoka comes out sometimes <laughs> uh, hydromancy water divining Physio, physioniomy, Ugh. face reading. That's just face reading. Also, uh, divining rods and many other gifts along these lines. So, if you have any of these or any connection, any of these, um, you're probably at one point or another going to be called by the Mami Wata. And when you're naturally born with a gift, you are automatically initiated to the mommy watas and they automatically offer you protection and you can enhance your powers and prevent intrusions by spirits and in bouts of confusion and fatigue 
You can avoid all of that just by acknowledging the presence of the Mamiwata in your life. So, these are not adolescent or trivial things. This is very, 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 very serious stuff. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you what happened to me in a little bit with this stuff. Why I know this is nothing to make fun of. This is nothing to play with. And this is nothing to ignore. If the information is coming to you and you have a connection to one of these divining methods, then you've got to understand how powerful and serious this is. Okay. All right. Um... <laughs> Before I hop into this, I'm going to tell you some of the names that the Mamiwata go by, have gone by. Some of the female goddess spirits that have been loved and honored and named different names that are truly Mamiwata spirits. I have like five tabs open, so let me uh, look. Looking here for it. <laughs> um, yeah, it even says on this page, um, mommywata.com, they say that there's uh, what happens in African American men is if they're born to Mommy Wata and they ignore her call because they don't know what it is or what's happening. They um, are having spiritual sufferings and it goes worse and worse and worse. I mean, it can end up criminal behavior, suicide, schizophrenia, melancholy, depression, social malaise, uh, psycho-emotional deprivation, and a bio-spiritual deprivation. It's just all pervasive. And it's a lot of people will just think that this is well, I'm Afri- you know, I'm African American, but I don't have to go back to the African American ways. You know, I'm a college educated man. I live in America. This is a modern era. We have cell phones and computers. This is BS. I'm sorry to say, if you're an African American man and you're ignoring the mommy wata, you might actually be suffering spiritually. If not now, if it happens in the future, please understand that you're going to have to acknowledge them one way or another. You know, go to the Caribbean and make an offering. Go to the Atlantic Ocean. You know, put a flower in the water and say thank you for uh, protecting you. Because they will pull you to them. I'm going to tell you in a minute how it happened to me. And I'm not even genetically this, I don't think. (laughs) I would love to find out I'm part black. I'd be super thrilled. But as far as I know, I'm not, but I would be so happy if I found out I was. It would make so much sense because I've been pulled by the Mamiwata and I have for a very long time. So maybe it was on the Wikipedia page. And it's saying also that the Mamiwata are not able themselves to really... um have babies they're not fertile so a lot of um, African um, 
communities in Africa, like different countries, have little traditions that they. It says, I mean, they have their traditions that little pockets of people in different places will say, oh, if a woman gets pregnant, then the mommy wata won't protect them as much anymore, or they won't. They'll kind of like shy away from that. But if you pray for fertility, then they will continue to watch after you. Let's see here. Um, I had this amazing website open and it had a list of goddesses that are related that were, um, so like Isis is a one that is related. Oh, and by the way, the feast day of the Mamawata, if you wanted to honor, um, them June 25th and the attributes are snakes, pearls, gold, and diamonds. The patronage is the water, the sea mermaids, all markets, divination, healing, money, music, and luck. So it's, you know, what's it going to hurt to light a white candle for the mommy Wata in your life, right? <laughs> I'm trying to see this page. Let me look. Okay, so now over 6,000 plus years the Mamiwata have existed way before the patriarchy came to the planet. And among all the people in the whole wide world, the ones that are most loved and revered by the Mamiwata are the African descendants. The male African descendants are the most, most loved and admired by the Mamiwata. Now, in many different cultures, the names have been changed, but they're all related. Isis in Egypt, Ephesus in Asia Minor, also known as Sibyl or Syeble, Syeble, I don't know, C-Y-E-B-L-E, Sibyl, the Sibyls in Greece, and also in, as known as Rhea, Hecate, and Artemis. Also in Rome, the Mamiwata has been going by the name Magna Mater, which means the Great Mother, Pravati, and there are many other holy names for the Mamiwata. So I was shocked when I read that. I had not seen that before. So people who are musicians, philosophers, have been spouses. They cons- they're considered spouses of the Mamiwata since time immemorial because they are absolutely a part of her and or them, and they're very much loved. This is also um, including the Tachamba spirits. Okay, there's a lot of erroneous information about. The Mamiwata. A lot of anthropologists don't really truly understand the culture and they don't take the time to get it on deeper levels. And so there's a lot of, like, they will say that, for instance, 
the words mamawata, which come from ancient, ancient African and Egyptian language, North African language, they will claim that that was just pidgin English. And it was like, no, 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 this goes back 6,000 years before the English ever had anything to do with the African continent. So it's just very, it's cultural misappropriation and misinterpretation. And I don't like that at all, that they do that. So I'm going to tell you guys a story, (laughs) how I got involved in all this or how I'm not like involved as far as the churches of it. And I don't dress in the dresses and I don't dance the dances or whatever. But in 2005, I first found a mermaid fountain (laughs) in a store in paradise that like a year later went out of business and then it became the grocery outlet for those of you who've been to paradise Wayne (laughs) you can be like oh yeah I remember that store it's like the coolest store they have the coolest and strangest things but um (laughs) but I had this um, mermaid fountain that I just fell madly in love with and had to have it And, um, so while I had it, I became absolutely obsessed for a long time about mermaids. Like I just, I couldn't sleep at night because I was dreaming about mermaids or I'm thinking about swimming in the ocean or I wake up in a cold sweat because I can't stop thinking about mermaids. And it just, sometimes it'd be very sweet and peaceful or you know, like I had a one amazing dream that I was in a hotel lobby looking at this beautiful fountain and I was surrounded by pink marble and I looked into the fountain and from the fountain rose this um, huge, huge mermaid and she was holding her little baby and they had white tails and they were white skinned with red hair and green eyes and they just looked at me and smiled And when I went to reach out to touch the baby's hand, to shake the baby's hand, they disappeared and I woke up and I was just so affected by this overwhelming um, feeling of love. And it just stuck with me. I mean, that was 2005, so what's this, 14 years later, and I'm still like, that feeling of that dream was still with me because it was a spiritual experience and not just a dream. So I kept having these dreams and then sometimes I would have dreams of snakes. I was having dreams of crocodiles. I occasionally in my whole life have had dreams of dolphins as well, besides the snakes. And I didn't totally understand what's happening, but I started looking it up on the internet. You know, what happens when the mermaids are starting to contact you and I found this mamiwata.com. And in this website, it said, if you've come to this page, and now this page that says this no longer exists, or it's been blocked from public view, but it said, if you are reading this page, chances are you are a child of the Mamiwata. She is calling you to her, and you have to heed her call and said she is the goddess or the group of goddesses that are in charge of all the creatures of the sea and especially has a great deal of love for crocodiles and snakes. 
And I'm like, great. <laughs> okay, but... <sighs> All right. And said, if you want to honor her and love her, you will make a display in your home, however small, of dolphins, crocodiles, snakes, fish. You know, I'm going to put crystals on it, put a bowl of salt for the water of the sea and seashells. So I did just that. And my uh, oldest kid started becoming obsessed with mermaids too. And we started watching movies like Aquamarine. <laughs> and then later H2O Just Add Water came out. We watched every episode. And then H2O Just Add Water, the, I think the New Zealand edition came out. Or maybe it was Australian. I don't, anyway, we watched all those too. <laughs> and I've just been obsessed. And then about 2006, I was given the nickname Mermaid Girl by the co-founder of World Ventures International, which is the fastest growing travel agency in the world. So very, very interesting. But before any of this, I got married in 1998 to my, um, the father of my children. And what's really weird, this is really strange connection that I realized tonight. I didn't even notice this until like a couple hours ago. When I got married, I said, I have to be married on the ocean in a boat by a sea captain. And we went to go get our, um, our, uh, you know, like my wedding gown and his tuxedo. And I decided to go to an old Hollywood costume shop. Every outfit that's been worn throughout the history of Hollywood was in this warehouse. Anything that the actors did not take home. I mean, we're talking way, way back, like 1920s, like way back. So the dress that I chose was white velvet. And I don't mean polyester. I mean like real velvet. Like, I don't know if it's cotton. I don't know what it is, but real velvet. It was an extremely expensive dress, but it was a white and red gown. <laughs> and it was in a medieval fashion, which is, or like a Renaissance or medieval, like with the long sleeves. And <clears throat> it was a really beautiful dress. And it was it had like this gold brocade woven through it. It was incredible. And the lady said, I can't remember the movie, but it was an old black and white movie. And it was someone who had played the part of like um, a princess or a queen, you know, or a lady. And she lived in a castle. And she's like, I've seen the dress in, I mean, I've seen, you know, I've seen this in the movie, but I can't remember what movie it's from. But anyway, so I'm still looking, you know, I'm like, I love old movies. I'm like, every now and again, I look at old, old movies. I'm like looking for my wedding dress because that's my dress. <laughs> but I got married on the ocean in a red and white dress. <laughs> the Mami Wata, that's their colors are red and white. And the ocean is their jurisdiction. Now I got married in San Francisco next to Angel Island. And I know that I was particularly blessed by the spirits because we got on the boat and it was raining. Oh, and by the way, I found one bouquet of red and white roses, not red roses and white roses, but roses that were half red, half white. 
that matched my dress. I had a vision of it. And then I, I prayed to Paramahansa Yogananda and he said, go to the right. It's right there. And I went to the right and it was like, we're in the harbor. It's like all boats and, you know, bait and tackle shops. We were, we were in Oakland and I'm like, where the hell? We're in Jack London Square looking for this place. And we went over right where Paramahansa Yogananda said, and there was a little tiny flower cart. He had four bouquets of flowers left, orange, yellow, just red, but they were half dead. And then a beautiful, fresh bouquet of half white and half red roses. And it was just a sign from God. This marriage is blessed. This everything is blessed. Today is blessed. Even though it was rainy and miserable. We we grabbed the roses. We bought some champagne and champagne flutes in a store right there on the, on the harbor. Went onto the boat. We It took a couple hours, I think, or an hour and a half to get to Angel Island. We went to next to Alcatraz. We went under the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> literally golden gate. I mean, that's like, sounds like heaven on earth right there, right? It's like a ascension. Uh, it's like connected to the ascension actually. So we get out there and our wedding ceremony, I wrote it, um, using the words of Khalil Gibran mixed with my own. It was like a super unique ceremony. The sea captain who had married many, many people had never, ever heard this and never heard these words before. So he was like, wow, this is really actually very very uh, special so anyway we get out to where we're going and it had had been raining and raining started raining harder (laughs) and we get to where we're going and he he dropped anchor and he goes okay you guys ready it looks like the rain is starting to lighten up and we walked up to the deck and I'm slipping and sliding on the deck because it's so wet holding onto the side of the rail and going, oh my God, I cannot kill this dress, this beautiful, beautiful velvet dress that I have to return. <laughs> and we get to the front of the yacht and all the rain stopped immediately. The heavens parted. The sun shone down in such a way that there were rays of light, golden rays of light in a circle around our boat. And we got married and then we went back down, um, in below deck and the clouds came together. Oh, and by the way, right when we did the, you can kiss the bride part and we started to kiss a carnival cruise line was going right next to us. And, um, also red and white logo (laughs) and all the people had been watching our wedding and they all cheered the next day God bought us breakfast we went to a little cafe in Jack London Square a little diner and we were talking about how excited we were that we finally were able we were so in love we were able to get married and um, the couple next to us had been in love for 20 years and terrified of getting married And they said, you know what? We're going to go get married this weekend. You have convinced us. Your love and your happiness is infectious. And we wanted to thank you. And they give us these big hugs. And they just, they smiled at us. They looked like angels. And they uh, left. And when we went to pay breakfast, they said, oh, don't bother. Your breakfast was already paid for by those people. We're like, well, who were they? 
And they said, we've never seen them before. And they had told us that they eat there every week. And the lady said, I've been working here for like five years. I've never seen this, these people ever. <laughs> so I know they were angels. So <laughs> mommy Wata started connecting with me way back then. I didn't even know. And then it just got worse and worse and worse, right? <laughs> or better and better and better. However you want to look at it. Well, all this stuff happened. I mean, it was incredible. And, um, I just started doing business with the King of Sierra Leone and his son, the Prince. And I started meeting literally royalty from Africa and my life changed. And I ended up getting a full time income for work. I only did for a couple months. And for like two or three years, I was completely protected financially. And then my life kind of fell apart for a while, but then I became protected financially yet one more time. And I had gone through so much turmoil and trauma that I forgot all about this mommy Wata thing. And well, one thing led to another and I ended up living in Guatemala and I traveled to the Caribbean coast mommy Wata territory and I totally forgot until not until I left did I realize I was blessed by the mommy Wata while I was there so I met this man who was a fisherman and he said I'm going to take you to um, and he told me I am African of African descent I'm like oh okay because in Guatemala it's Mayan people. So I stumbled upon a little community, literally of people from Africa directly, not slaves. Okay. I'm like, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> the Atlantic ocean is enormous. How did these people get here? So he says, I'm going to take you to my cousin. He says, it's just a, you know, it's like, I don't know, like a 45 minute walk. <laughs> Do not trust anybody who tells you it's a 45 minute walk because four freaking hours later, we finally got there walking in flip flops <laughs> along the Caribbean Sea down this long beach and all these trees. And the beach was so tiny that the water kept coming up and lapping at our feet. And, um, and all this trash comes from the ocean onto the shore. And he laughed. He said, yeah, every now and again, um, we get an infusion of money. Like they'll give us like $30,000 to clean up our own beach as if it's our fault. And it's not, it's like people going anywhere in the Atlantic ocean, but all the trash collects here. So we'll go, we'll, we'll go. Okay, sure. We'll take the money. And then they clean up their beach. And then a year later, someone come by and go, Oh, we need to have a fundraiser to clean up your beach. And that's one of the biggest sustainers of the Livingstone community. But Livingstone, you can't get there except by boat. And I got, I went on this massive river that took a couple hours to cross. <laughs> I mean, massive river. So freshwater fish on one side, ocean fish from the Caribbean Sea on the other side. It's a strange, strange, heavy voodoo energy. And so it was a little scary to be there because the energy was so, so powerfully magical. So here's the story. This is what happened. So my friend brought me to his cousin, Balthazar. 
I get there and Balthazar is wearing Moroccan clothing, including a Moroccan fez. And he does not understand the origin of his own clothing. He says, well, we're just African. This is African. I'm like, well, how did you get these, these clothes? He goes, this is just what has been handed down by generations. This, this style of clothing. And we, you know, not everyone keeps tradition with this style clothing. A lot of people have adopted the Mayan, you know, and local native, um, clothing styles or just, you know, the pacas, which is like the, um, when you're in the United States and you give your old clothes to the green recycling bins, most of those clothings end up in Guatemala in these huge pacas and, I mean, I got like Abercrombie and Fitch t-shirts for like a dollar and they were in practically mint condition. So, I mean, oh my God, the pockets in, in Guatemala are amazing. <laughs> so anyway, but I digress. It's like usually stuff that comes down from New York City or from San Francisco. So it's really amazing clothing. It's hilarious because everybody in Guatemala is wearing t-shirts that say things like Los Angeles or Hard Rock Cafe. And a lot of times they can't even read their own shirts. Like I'll go and I'll tell them in Spanish, oh, hey, I know this. And they look at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, your shirt. And I have to read it to them. And they're like, what does it mean? I've been wanting to know so that I have to like interpret people's shirts for them. I did that quite a bit in Guatemala. It was super fun. But anyway, <laughs> so I went to this place after walking for hours and I met Balthazar and inside this place there were holy shrines everywhere like the whole place was the highest vibration and pictures of every famous black person African American person from the United States was inside this place they have a shrine with pictures of Will Smith Barack Obama Oprah, I think I even saw a picture of Gail. <laughs> so, I mean, we were like, what? What is this? What is, like, what is happening here? <laughs> it was so strange and confusing. I'm like, what happened to the African people? And they're like, well, that's the other shrine. I turn around and here's Desmond Tutu. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, here's uh, Nelson Mandela. Here's a picture of Winnie Mandela. These, they have a shrine in which they pray for every African descendant leader who is scattered throughout the whole world. And it's every single day. They keep this going. I thought that was very sweet. So I donated money, of course. Whatever money I had in my pocket, you know, they had it. <laughs> so Balthazar told me, it's money to get in. I didn't realize. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. And I didn't have the money to go all the way up into it. So he gave me five minutes to go and look at it. And I honored the five minutes. And, you know, not one second too soon I came back. I wanted to honor, you know, the whole thing. I'm like, well... If I come back, it's going to be by boat. God, God dang it. It's like so, it was like such a long walk from the town. Anyway, he told me this story. And I'm going to tell you guys now.
several generations ago, before the time of the slaves taken from Africa to the Americas and the Caribbean, there lived a village chief, you know, like an old shaman. He was a very wise, very psychic man. And he was the leader of his people. And he lived on an island off the coast of West Africa towards the north, towards Morocco. And they just were a little tiny tribe on this little tiny island in the middle of nowhere. And he meditated and prayed to the spirits, the cosmos, the universe, God, what have you. Every single day he would sit in meditation for hours. Deeply spiritual man. And one day, God told him, or the gods told him, you have to take all of your people and you have to cross this big ocean here. And when you get to the other side, you're going to go down the coast until you find the place of seven rivers that converge into one. And this drops down into seven waterfalls that converge into one stream again and it goes out to the ocean, to the sea. This is the sacred spot of your people. So he complied. (laughs) I think this is the third story I told you guys about this, maybe, maybe fourth, in which somebody got a message from spirit and on absolute faith and nothing more, flying on a wing in a prayer, they left in their little boats across the Atlantic Ocean, the roughest ocean on the planet. And these little, like, canoes, they were like long canoes. The entire village, not one was lost. They made it and they found this place and I saw it with my eyes. It is a World Heritage Site in Livingstone, Guatemala. Everyone smoking weed there. They call it living stoned. <laughs> in, in to them, uh, to their culture, it is the cannabis is a sacred plant. It is honored, loved, and respected. The minute you land, they go, "You want some ganja?" <laughs> and you're like, "Hell yeah!" Even the mayor, you know, everybody, everything's cool. I met the mayor, mayor of Livingstone. <laughs> Named, of course, after Stanley Living in Livingstone. Yeah, so that famous story, looking for the fountain of youth. Remember that story. So on the way back, actually on the way there, I should tell you, I did see people getting ready to perform a voodoo rite. And it was, but I think it was to the Mamiwata because they were wearing the white, but then some of the women, the younger women, who were still virgins, had to wear purple, like a light lavender. And then the women who were older had to wear white. 
And I don't know why or how I know that. I just, it was like instinctual I knew that. And the men were dressed very nice in white. And the younger men were in purple, lavender. And we met them, and this one man was, like, stressed because he didn't have any battery in his phone, and he had to um, write to, like, his mother so she wouldn't worry. And I, I said, hey, hand me your phone. And I, I prayed to the great spirit and all the spirits around me to help me. And I put my hands on his phone and I gave it Reiki and I raised it up by two bars. <laughs> and I handed it back to him and he's like, whoa, I've never seen anyone be able to do that. And I go, that was my first time. I've never done that in my life. But the spirit told me to do it for you. And I did. And he was like, whoa. And they just kind of all looked at me and they were just like, whoa. And I kind of looked at them and we kind of had this mad respect for each other. And I smiled and, and I um, said goodbye to them and we kept going. And um, now this is the freaky part that relates to the Mami Wata. So I went through this massive walk. I mean, we were gone close to seven hours, eight hours for this whole thing, we were only in the Balthazar place for like 30 minutes or less, like 20 minutes. So it was a long freaking walk just for a 20 minute tour. <laughs> and we still didn't get to see the whole thing. So someday I'll go back and look at the whole thing and climb up the top and see the seven rivers converging. <laughs> it was just worth it to see a shrine to Oprah Winfrey and Barack Obama, to be honest, and Michelle, Michelle Obama and the whole first family at the time, they were, I was just like, oh my gosh, he's got, this is so sweet. How sweet is that? That everybody there like prays for the well-being and the health and the welfare. Like you guys are in Guatemala, you know, these people don't affect you. Like, like, yeah, but they're our kin, you know, we have to love them. Like, oh, I agree. I agree. Oh, and the Pope, who's not even black, but he was on there. He was, he was on the, they're like, and we also love the Pope because, you know, he's a holy man. It was Pope, Pope John Paul II, not the other popes. This is before Francis. So, <laughs> so uh, on the way back, we're walking and walking and walking, and we saw a couple hammocks, and we're just like hanging out and smoking a little. <sighs> and it was just wonderful being in the Caribbean. It was a beautiful place. And then we kept walking, walking, walking. And then we noticed that there are, um, there were like seven bridges on the way there from seven more rivers going out to the sea. And every bridge was made of a different material. One was a giant, huge concrete bridge. And another one was made from wood. And another one was made from bamboo. And it was very tiny. And... You know, and one was like made from like stones or something like every single bridge was made from a different material and they're all very interesting. And halfway back, there was trees on either side. So you're going under a canopy of trees. And even though the sun wasn't completely down, it was um, very, very dark very dark, very fast. And I'm like, that's weird. Why is it so dark? And I'm like, I want to see these trees. And I really, to this day, I wish to God, I never freaking looked up. It was a canopy of these enormous spiders. 
I was like, oh, God. I mean, these spiders were like, they were the size, if not a little bit bigger, of tarantulas. But and then the center of them were brown and furry like tarantulas. They were furry spiders. And in the center of that, there was, uh, they were brown, but then the center was white, or like a cream, a really pretty vanilla cream colored white fur, like a rabbit. They would look like rabbit spiders. They were so cute and also simultaneously absolutely freaking terrifying because they were enormous and they were like thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands creating so many webs at the top of these trees and so many spiders that you couldn't see the sky there were so many spiders it was so creepy (laughs) and so I was like okay 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 my friend he he, my fisherman friend grabs my hand and he's like it's okay mommy I gotcha I gotcha I got your back don't worry you'll be safe with me these spiders don't hurt you and I'm like oh they're hurting me plenty right now I am terrified But I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust. Obviously, I have no choice but to walk another three hours back. And on the way back, there was this little tiny bamboo footbridge. And it was maybe two feet across. And And when I stepped on it, it fell into, like, I, it, I, I, it pushed into the water. And so it was right where the ocean and the river mixed. It was right on the edge there. And I fell into, like my foot slipped into the water with my little flip-flops on. And a baby crocodile, sea-faring crocodile, ran across my bare foot. And as it did so, its little tiny baby crocodile tail wrapped ever so slightly around my right ankle. (laughs) The one I ended up breaking a couple years later in Detroit, come to think of it. It wrapped around my ankle just ever so slightly and then kept going. It was like a little hug or a little caress. And I turned back and I said to my oldest, I said, hey, There's crocodiles here, little baby crocodiles, so watch out. And I kept walking. I said, just get through here quickly, let's go. And he's like, oh, mom, nothing's going to happen. Well, he started walking slower, and I didn't notice that. So he ended up being a little bit farther behind me. Fell on the same bridge now that I did, but fell (laughs) into that tributary that goes out into the Caribbean Sea and as he did that he fell onto a pile of crocodiles and they went scattering in every direction and he's like oh crap (laughs) oh crap you know and as he started to stand up he saw mommy the mommy crocodile and the mommy crocodile said And my oldest, not to be daunted, said, "Mm," (laughs) really loud growl. And the mommy crocodile, who was pretty freaking sizable, these things get up to 60 feet. 
although she was only about 10 to 12 feet. She backed up with when my oldest growled at her. And then we left. We just kept walking and then we never went back because that was frankly quite terrifying. (laughs) So it was about a few months later, I realized, oh my God, we were protected by Mami Wata. All of, both of my kids and me, we all have these gifts. These, not all of these gifts, but many of these divination gifts. So we belong to her. We were born initiates. <laughs> Anyone with these gifts are born initiates. And those crocodiles did not harm us because we are initiates. I've been called to the Amazon River, which is connected. That water is connected to the, you know, to the African deities' water, and there are sightings of mermaids in the Amazon quite often. The people told me in Peru, the um, native uh, elders told me that they honor the mermaid spirits. So. <laughs> I don't know. I did not honor her. I wish I would have brought her flowers. I did, though. I did have a seven-power African candle that I did light for my birthday, and I told all the African spirits that I love them. And I felt I had safe passage away from that place. And when I when I prayed to them, I did see the seven African, the Orshan, uh, spirits in the sky like the cloud would be one face and then the cloud would spin in a circle and the second face and then spin in a circle in the third face until I saw every all seven African deities they all smiled at me and they looked me in the eye and yes I was very 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 high but it wasn't a hallucination everybody that looked up, they all saw spirits in these clouds. The Caribbean can have like a perfectly clear sky in a matter of 30 seconds, you have cloud cover. And then the clouds twirl around and they just do these dances. And it is one of the most heavily, where I was at, was one of the most heavily voodoo, magical filled place I've ever been in my life. But I loved being there. The power of the magic was just raw and tenable, and you could almost touch it. Every fiber of your being being touched it. It was almost like every hair on your body was an antenna that received the magic inside your body. It was a very strange, palpable, visceral feeling that I, to this day, I never felt that anywhere. I felt magic in the jungle, but it was a light-hearted beauty. But in the Caribbean Sea, it was heavy, heavy, heavy energy. Voodoo magic. Deep, earthly, earthy magic. So I don't know. I mean, if Mami Wata calls you, it's she's real. They are real. They are real deities. Please heed the call. Just heed the call. And don't forget, if you're ever in the Caribbean, just float some red and white flowers out to the sea and say, Mommy, Wata, thank you.
Just say thank you. That's all. That's all she wants is her acknowledgement. But one time, right before my divorce with my husband, and right before he died, he died after our divorce. I had one dream, and what the dream was that I was standing on the shore of the Caribbean Sea, looking out to the sea, watching the clouds and the water, telling Mommy Wata how much I love her, and she blessed me by having the Caribbean Sea come and wash my feet. That happened, but I forgot to say thank you at that moment. I've told her thank you a million times since then, but I forgot in that moment. Many times I've said thank you since then, maybe, maybe not a million, maybe five or six or 20, I don't know. Every time I think about this story, because it was so profound. I mean, but once you see a crocodile, it's like time to get the hell out of Dodge. You know, you're you're not thinking about being grateful at that moment other than, holy crap, let's get out of here. Because the seafaring crocodiles, which frankly terrify me, they can grow up to like, I don't know, like 60 feet or something. I think there was one report of one being 100 feet, but probably the person was just as frightened as I am and, you know, tend to exaggerate like sometimes I do. So (coughs) it was one of those things. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this story these stories and um, learning a little bit more about the Mama Watas or the Mami Wata spirits. They've been around for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Nature elements, maybe. Goddesses, possibly. Anyway, I, I love each and every one of you. Thank you for listening. If you ever want to send me an idea for the show, Metaphysical soul speak at gmail.com. Also, if you want to send a donation via PayPal, that's one way to do it. If you don't want to go to anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical, you could do it through my email as well. Um, also, send me, uh, you know, ideas or comments for, for the show. But thank you for listening tonight. So that's all I got to say for today. <laughs> uh, but now I'm signing off with peace and love and joy and the magical high vibes of the holy fifth dimension. Until next time. Metaphysical Soul Speak is run on sponsors and listener support. This means listeners like you. If you are so inclined to support my efforts and my little podcast, please visit me at anchor.fm forward slash metaphysical and pledge an amount of your choosing today. Thank you.